here we are again yes thank you for sticking with me for this long surprise you're not annoyed yet but it's okay today we are gonna talk about whoa education i feel like some of these things i'm about to talk about is so blatantly obvious i don't know why it's such an issue like honestly i think a lot of problems that result in these uh few years actually the last two decades maybe we have come so far in technology and like just in many achievements as humanity you know not just one country not two countries no not the best country in the world let's work together as humans and as humans we have come together and made so many cool things right that's one extreme another extreme is that there's also been a lot of incredibly dumb things that's been happening recently we can't we can't run away from that so so many dumb things but also so many beautiful things like there are always two ends to the uh spectrum like i can't stress this enough because people fail to understand this there is no one blueprint for life and there's no one answer for everything like, the sooner you get understand that, maybe the sooner you understand why the world is the way it is. A lot of people get so stressed about how their ideals is not being implemented in the world. Yeah, how about this? Because there are a million ideals in the world, your may, yours may be extreme in the middle or in the lower end. It doesn't really matter. The point is that there is very rarely something that is, like, flat out agree upon everyone even human rights come on this basic thing people are still like nope nope not everyone should have basic human rights yeah why because human rights is too vague yeah women can have rights gay people can have rights no one can have rights basically other than a typical yeah anyways it's very very far off but none of this would have happened to begin with or like it would have happened in a more smarter way or in a more um I don't know how to say this, like, in a more progressive way, if our education was built, if our education system was built better to begin with. Like, none of this would be such an issue if if everyone was just taught, like, the basic of, like, many things. So education comes in two forms, right? The way in which it is conducted, as in the way like schools conducted the teachings and how they teach and of course the content uh, within that the kids are learning because you it's 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 a equalizer right with the worst content in the world even the best teachers can't save it and with the worst teachers in the world some of the best content can't be saved either like it's a two-way street in some cases of course it can of course there are always exceptions but it's important to understand both, right? I grew up in a place where education was a complete 180 from where I am right now. Even though it's completely different, university setting and school setting is completely different. But let's start from the bottom. Like kindergarten, okay. Uh, because most of the time we can agree on what kindergarten should teach, right? So it's like the very basic of what kids should learn. You have your ABCs, you have your one, two, threes. Um, and then you have like your basic moral skills that I feel like should be implemented. I haven't been in kindergarten forever, so I do not know what's a standard protocol for them to learn right now. But for me, it makes sense. They're just little kids. They don't need to do like maybe like simple math, you know, like one plus two, two plus three, one minus four. 
Okay, maybe that's the negatives. I don't know. Like, simple math is okay. You know? Like, and then, of course, the, the basics of the language, grammar, and all of that. Um, yeah. And kids learn languages the easiest when they're young. So... I don't think it's such a bad idea to like make them learn different languages from a young age, but this is way too subjective because they're not old enough to make a decision into what language they want to learn, and a lot of parents may be biased. But anyways, that's a whole other thing. I'm talking primarily the part of education when they really start to learn like things that will impact their lives. I know in kindergarten it makes a huge difference as well, but I'm also talking about like elementary and high school, right? So where I grew up. I'm talking now about the forms of teaching. Where I grew up, it was super normal to use uh, aggressive forms of punishment or like physical forms of punishment. So we had caning, for example, which I'm pretty sure when I brought this up to any of my European friends, they were like, no, you're crazy. That was child abuse. But for me at that age, I was like, I thought I deserved to be punished. I didn't like it. I would, if I had a choice, I would not. But that was just what was happening. We had like uh, exams and then we had, of course, spelling, right? I don't know if everyone in the world had it, but imagine like you were supposed to learn 10 words that day. Uh, I went to a Mandarin uh, primary school. Uh, so we had to learn 10 uh, Chinese, uh, sorry, not Chinese, Mandarin words. And then the next day, the teacher will quiz us on it, so if you'll be like, number one, this word, and then we'll all write it down, and then number two, number three, blah, 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 usually it's about 10 or 15 words, and then the teacher will grade it, we'll get it back, uh, or some of the time she'll just write it, okay, so number one was this word, number two was this word, and then she'll ask, like, so, any of you got five and below wrong, and we'll have to raise our hands, and we'll go to the front, and then we'll get the cane five times. Or some teacher, even if they, if uh, if their canes were weaker, uh, then we get cane ten times. Um, yeah, there are weaker and stronger canes, people. Yes, uh, the thinner canes like were more painful. Thicker ones were uh, less painful, but nonetheless painful. I'm sorry if this is triggering. I totally forgot. Like, I would just put this episode as explicit then, because I don't know how triggering this may be. Because for me, it, I I'm not. I'm not as traumatized by it, but I'm, I'm, I'm not sure maybe some people may be. Um, but recently I found out, actually, because an incident happened within a classroom of mine that uh, triggered something in regards to that uh, time of my life. And I didn't realize that it did trigger me. I was really upset. And um, it was some type of aggression. Uh, and I was really upset and I didn't uh, understand why. You know, I didn't realize I had this trauma in my head um, because I thought it was normal. And sometimes, very unfortunately, I was even proud to say it because I was like, yeah, I got cane, I went through a hard time, and now I'm coming out of it better. But is that really the best way to punish your children? Like caning? You know? We can... uh, I feel like that's along the lines of parenting, which I'll talk about in another episode. But, like, that was how... uh, Not my entire uh, school life, but in primary school, that was my life, pretty much. It was a lot of cane. Not every teacher did it, 
but the teachers who did it are very prominent and I remember them to this day for sure. And I also remember teachers who were very, very kind, but because of the environment they were in, they were inclined to think that they needed to cane children, you know? And of course there was a lot of public humiliation making kids stand on stage in front of assemblies holding chair over their heads because they messed up like all sorts of things you know this was the form of education in primary school um i'll just leave it up to your interpretation uh but that's something i went through and then you have the other end of the spectrum where like i have uh, i hear a lot about the finnish education system back home but now when i'm actually here i have a finnish friend and it was very interesting to hear firsthand their uh, uh version of this which was very much like, we had to bow every time we saw our teacher. No bowing would be punishment. We have to bow and we were supposed to say, uh, good morning or good whatever, Mrs. this, Mrs. whatever. You know, the saying, greeting them and then bowing. Night, full 90 degree bow. And if we didn't, that would also be cause of punishment. But uh, in this uh, Finnish system, I learned that you call your teachers by your first name. That's insane to me because we were thought that it, to respect your teacher, you need to call them miss or mister or whatever, you know, it's a sign of respect. And I think it's very different because it's Malaysia, right? It's a Asian, uh, it's within the Asian continent and Asians are very much more inclined to talk about your position, respect and all in that type of thing. Like respect is a very, very big thing, right? And in Finland, it's completely different. You have teachers being called by their first name. You know, and they're super chill. They don't have as many days of school. Uh, their their school hours are shorter because they have more extracurricular school sponsor activities. Um, this is just what I've learned, you know, and it's I think it's very different because it's a complete 180. Of course, when I entered high school, it changed. Uh, I was no longer getting caned. Um, uh, I went to government school for my primary life, and then like elementary I guess I don't know the conversion of it but basically a Malaysian education we have standard one to standard six and then form one to form five which is like 11 years of school after kindergarten and before college basically and I don't know the conversion of that the high school elementary the, the um but uh form uh standard six to form five I went to a different school already and it was completely different um there was uh no more caning it was a different school system and my grades were significantly better i got more a's more b's some c's i'm not scared to say it um and my grades got better it was less stressful but it was still a lot of public humiliation forms of punishment um yeah but those are like the way you teach, right? But it's hard to find a perfect way to teach. You think about it, everyone has different ways of learning. For me, I know I'm a practical learner. I learn best when I actually do the work and through trial and error, I find my best ways. And that's how I did a lot of my math problems. And in uh, school, I always got A for math. Like I love math a lot. Uh, additional math is different, statistics is different, but basic math in high school, I always got really good grades for it. I really like math, and I did it through trial and error. Um, a lot of people learn differently. Some people read, uh, learn a lot by reading textbook, like thoroughly. For me, I don't, I don't learn by reading a lot. 
Like I learned through watching and unless it's different when it comes to like critical thinking and papers and stuff, scientific papers, then sure, of course I read it because you need to know from the source and itself. I'm talking about like application type um, uh, learning, for example, math and science. Like I learn best when I actually go into the lab and like actually do the chemicals and like actually like see the, the organs of the animals and stuff like that. Like, that's how I learn best, and I know that. And I also learn best when I watch it actually happen, like video presentations or, like, teachers actually presenting how it works, like physics, for example, like, if it actually, like how they actually work, rather than explain, like, oh, the velocity is this and the fulcrum's here, da, da, da. Like, I actually see it happen, then I learn a lot better that way. But different people learn differently. Some people learn a lot better by just by purely reading. And some people are gifted in memorizing and spinning it out, memorizing and spinning it out. Like, uh, that's a very known way of taking, like, exams, right? Some people do learn best that way, and that's great. Some people learn best by, like, like teaching. Like, I know that when I know something well enough and I'm confident enough to teach it, I know that I mastered it. It's a very good way of learning, actually. But, yeah, everyone has different ways of learning, right? Some practical, some reading, some... Like, it's all different, right? And there's so many scales. So many scales that's come up uh, into, like, what is um, the... What are different people's way of, like, teaching. That's also the personality thing, but that's also something else already. Um, But, yeah. And then, a lot of times we... In school, uh, it's hard. It's hard to find a teaching medium that satisfies every student's learning ability it's really hard and i don't believe that there will be a system like this uh i don't think there is a system like this i'm not sure uh if there is great um but we can always find a happy medium right uh we can think of many solutions like either splitting classes by their learning ability or providing enough resources to make sure that everyone is having uh, their learning styles accounted for so you can have a portion of your class runs for an hour you can have the first 20 minutes being reading the literature and going over that the second half uh, uh, like the next 20 minutes being more practical work or maybe the teacher would demonstrate how it works and then the last 20 minutes would be how the student themselves do it see now almost every aspect of it is covered right and maybe in some schools it works this way a lot of schools works in a very lecture kind of way, right? Where you just listen and listen and listen, and then and then you just read it by yourself at home and then spit it back out. A lot of things like history is super hard because you can't show. You can show images, you can show videos, sure, but you can't demonstrate practically how it works. So then it goes into a whole different system. Like for me, it was always difficult because I was I had to read. What other way was there around it? I had to read. I couldn't do anything. I can't turn back in time and see it. I watched documentaries and that helped. But not all documentaries, of course, follow exactly a syllabus of my school. Then I end up not learning things I was supposed to learn or learn too many things outside of what I was supposed to learn. And there was no happy medium. So I, I knew I learned best a lot by video. So I searched up a lot of videos online and tried to learn through there. And to a certain extent, it helped. But um, in uh, my textbooks who are in Malay, which is the nas- national language of uh, Malaysia, 
uh, a lot of my textbooks were in Malay. So not only do I have to like learn a efficient way to get all this writing in my head, but also conquer the fact that I had to do it in a different language. I I know Malay. Like I grew up with it. It's a compulsory subject. I know it, but not natively. I don't speak it at home. I speak it to the people. I speak it when I go to stores. I can't have a conversation in Malay. It's not a problem. But to read it in a very like detailed summarizing way, I'm sure a lot of non-English, uh, non-native English speakers will understand. It's very difficult. It's very different. The speaking uh, something and listening to something, having a full-blown conversation versus reading like a scientific paper or, le- or reading literature in that language is completely different. And sometimes it can be hard. Like, I understand to a certain extent, but a lot of times I had sticky notes on a corner of paragraphs kind of summarizing what I, what it is in English. And that took so much time, you know? So what is the best way to actually convey this? Uh, you classes could have more video representation or you could have more summaries. But to be fair, my history lessons were ridiculous. It was like, I can't remember how many chapters, but I think that, like, I'm going to estimate like 12 chapters and 11 of the chapters were about Islam. And one chapter was about world history. It was messed up. But that's going to be about another episode in content. Today I'm learning purely about the styles of like how teaching is conducted in schools, right? What's the best way of uh, teaching when you have uh, babies, right? Uh, one of the most proven ways for a kid to grow intellectually is to show them, right? Because you can get them the best toy in the world. Like, you can get them a toy, you can go to a toy store, get a box that says, oh, best way to educate your kid, uh, learning progress, like 10 out of 10, all sorts of stuff like that. But if you don't do anything about it, just chuck it to the kid. They're not going to learn any better than another kid with just a, a bunch of blocks. Like... Imagine you're just like gone to a construction site or like somewhere, I don't know, and someone chuck you a bunch of material and you're like, okay, good luck. I'm going to give you a blueprint, get there and bye-bye. How the hell are you going to know what to do? You're just going to go there, put a bunch of stuff together, assume that this is how concrete works, mix it with some water and hope for the best. And then your building's probably going to end up quite bad. But it's different if you have someone there who guide you like, this is how um, cement is made. And you kind of lay the bricks like this. And then once you kind of know how it is, then you're like, okay, good luck. And I'll come back to see you uh, when you're done. Don't you think you, the building will look so much better? Or like whatever you're trying to do is going to turn out so much better. Because you already kind of know what you're going to do, right? Same way with like babies. You know, once they reach that age, uh, not even, I think like one, two years old, I don't know, the speaking age. Uh, that's why there's the baby voice, right? That's why a lot of people talk to kids like, oh my gosh, hi, at this toy yeah there's this high pitch kind of like very exaggerating a lot of things you do have a lot of movements why because you're trying to make the baby interested in what you're trying to teach them and it's a thing you can look it up it's a real thing and i learned in developmental psychology uh although it's not a field i'm going to specialize in it's something we were we were taught in university for sure and um actually maybe i will i don't know (laughs) Um, psychologist to be I'm not sure my specialization yet so maybe you'll be in kids we'll see um, but yeah it is a thing and uh, why why do we have this like innate sense of like talking to babies such a high-pitched voice and like we're trying to make this as interesting as possible oh look the blocks have a b c d e you know oh let's let's see if we can match this up with the word you know make it very interesting very bright 
So the kid will be like, oh my gosh, my, my parents and my mom, my dad is showing me this. Like, it's, it's a proven thing. You, ha- you sit there and you actually teach your kid, like, oh, like a little soft toy. It's like, this is a dinosaur. Can you say it with me, dinosaur? And like the kids will be like, oh, you know. Like that's how they learn, like through big animated movements, right? And that's the, the fastest way and best way they can learn it with this guidance as well. Uh, but that's a whole other thing on parenting, which I'll talk about maybe another episode. Um, but yeah, so if you imagine babies learn this way, can you imagine like kids? The older you grow, the less interesting it becomes. Teachers from kindergarten, maybe they're still more animated. Then the more you go into elementary and then high school, they turn more monotone and they turn into lectures. You know, I know my favorite lectures, uh, they all have the most animated, most active lectures. And I learned the most from that. And in some lectures, you just have like a monotone, like, okay, today, I guess uh, we'll learn something about positive psychology. Uh, and don't you just want to fall asleep? Like, we, the less, the more we grow up, the less people give a <laughs> honestly. It's, it's sad, but it's true. Like, people care so much when you're a baby because you're, like, helpless and stuff. And as you grow older... It's like less and less. Like that's why I really, really appreciate teachers who put in a lot of like anima- animated, like uh, like if you show you're excited for subjects, your students will be too. You know, this is just like um, maybe it's a factor into helping. You know, a lot of my favorite teachers always are very enthusiastic and like very in love with whatever they're teaching and the way they teach it as well. You can tell that they're in love with the subject and it's amazing. You know, so maybe it's also the teachers involved. That should have a look into, like, if you're honestly, like, I'm sure everyone has had that one sad teacher who was monotone and just angry all the time. Like, maybe the teacher is going through something, we don't know. But if you're not very interested in what you're doing and you don't love your subject and you just don't like teaching, why are you there? You're not helping anyone. But this goes with any profession, whether you're an engineer, an artist, whatever. If you don't love what you do, don't be there. Like, find something that you love to do. And it sounds very harsh, and a lot of people might disagree, but or maybe a lot of people can't find something else. But you look introspectively, you know? Look introspectively at what you're doing in life. Like, what I imagine at finished schools, based on what my friend told me, is that the teachers are always very friendly and very kind, and you call by their first name, and they're always, like, really chill. Um, but this is another thing. You need to be chill enough that your students respect you but not so chill that they walk all over you it's a very fine line that you need to learn right um yeah and i think it's interesting like if you want to keep a subject interesting and keep like students engaged you need like to show that in some kind and i think maybe a lot of schools lack in that but then again as far as i know a lot of schools also just give teachers syllabus and it's up to them how they convey it and 100% I've seen in classes where they have, like, a better teacher in the same exact subject and they excel better. When I say better, I mean, like, people, uh, teachers who are more, like, involved and more, um, uh, yeah, more passionate about their subject versus another teacher who's very monotone, not very engaged, hating their job, probably. And, like, you can see the outcome in the students, 100%. The class with the more motivated teacher will have more uh, promising results like that's just a thing so it goes into one thing the, the way the school's conducting the lessons 
also in the way the, te- the teacher is doing it. So sometimes maybe it's not the school, but maybe it's the teacher, right? And I think teachers are a very, very important job. They shape a whole generation. And yet they're one of the most underpaid. Actually, they are severely underpaid, I think. And, um, and like, don't have enough benefits. And I've seen, like, even in America, it's a whole issue where teachers aren't given enough supplies so they have to pay for it out of their own salary. That's ridiculous. You want to, like, train a whole generation of people, but you don't give these people the resources to do it. And then when the whole generation or, like, the whole class turns out to be rebellious and horrible and, like, and then you, what, blame the teacher? But you didn't give them enough resources to begin with. Like, why are you trying to, like, it's just so unjustified. You know, a whole nation is shaped by an education of a person, yet alone a child, you know? And people don't put enough resources to make sure it's as, like, good as possible and as, you know, beneficial as possible. So, yeah, there's something to think about. Like, there's one thing about the content, which I'll talk about soon, but also the way it's conducted is pretty, I would say it's pretty important, for sure. <laughs> like, if people don't understand, like, these teachers are, like, training or, like, teaching, not training, like, teaching a whole generation of people. Like, I had the same teachers teach me from, like, five years in a row or like three years or like many years in a row like these people are in our lives for a while you know and we don't give them enough resources to like do their job properly or even if they are given resources like we can look at the teacher itself and like if you don't enjoy your job and you genuinely hate it and your students can feel it what are you like doing to help the situation anyway you know like there are way too many ways to look into it it's very complex but just like everything else, you know, there's something to think about, at least, when you're, like, trying to build up uh, an education of some form. So, yeah. Anyways, uh, students, though, always be kind to your teachers, especially the ones who are really trying. It's hard sometimes to be a teacher, too. So, yeah, students out there, maybe your teacher's having a bad day. You don't know. You don't know. Appreciate them. If they're good ones, you know, and if you really appreciate them, you can always say, like, hey, thank you for teaching us this whole year or the start of this year. You know, give them a little apple. (laughs) I don't know. It's always good to hear it. And it gives the teacher such a great motivational boost. Just tell them a little, like, thank you. Thank you for teaching me, you know. They're, like, secondary to your parents. They guide you in life, you know. Sometimes it's very good for them to hear, like, something very motivating and it keeps them going. Those are shout-out to the great, awesome teachers out there. You know, they're really, really dope. And, yeah, this episode's way too long. (laughs) Peace out.